You are Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, we welcome you in a Friday Boston College preview podcast. Tim Leonard and Tyler Rocky here with you on Locked On Syracuse. You can find the show on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. We've got a lot to get to today on the show. We thank you for listening. As always, if you're new to the show, hit subscribe, tell a friend. We appreciate all the feedback. Feel free to drop a review, and that would help us out greatly. But later on in the show, in our second segment, we're talking with A.J. Black, who is of Locked On Boston College, just started up his podcast. So he knows all about BC, been covering that team for a while, and he's going to give us the lowdown on what to expect in this matchup on the BC side of things and who are the key players to watch for them. But Ty, I think we have to start the show today by talking about Trill Williams. This is usually when we talk about the Syracuse side of things in this matchup. We'll probably do that more in the latter half of the show when we do our prop shop. But kind of shocking news, right? That Trill announced, I guess not shocking that he's going to the draft, but maybe the timing of it was a little bit surprising. Well, he's been banged up a little bit too, and you gotta wonder if that's maybe playing a role with it. I'd imagine that has something to do with it. Yeah. But when you look at Trill Williams, and he's done enough, right? I mean, we talked about this heading into the year. Is Trill Williams gonna be one of those guys who's gonna play his way into the draft? Because we said at the beginning of the season, Andre Cisco could sit the year out if he wanted to, and he would be good to go. He'd be a first or second round pick barring injury, which of course happened. Trill Williams was one of those guys who we thought to ourselves, he has to play this year. And if he plays well enough this year, he can go to the NFL draft after his junior season. And guess what? He's played well enough. He really has. I mean, when you talk about the guy who's embodied the Syracuse defense this year, everyone likes to think about Andre Sisco. But to me, it's really been Trill Williams. I mean, talk about the guy who's pioneered the I'm going to hit the hell out of some dude and I'm flying around the field and I'm fearless and I can guard anyone. I think Trill Williams rubs off on Garrett Williams a lot more than we think. And we're really seeing it. He elevated the entire level of play for this defense. And you've noticed when he's out, they haven't been as good. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. And kind of lost that identity. Yeah, right. The other thing is you wish him best of luck. And I think it makes total sense Mm -hmm. for him and his career. And just an electrifying player while he was at Syracuse. Tons of great memories. And this kind of short time period that we had Trill Williams, I was tweeting out for us the other day that I will never forget that Wake Forest play and that touchdown. And then the play this year where he has the lateral with Carter, and that was his lone interception of the year, which maybe that's a little bit lower than you would have expected in terms of stats to get you in the NFL conversation, but still... As you said, he his stats across the board, pro football focus, look great, and he's testing great on those type of metrics. I think I saw pro football focus said he was one of the top uh, slot cornerbacks in the entire Division One so far, limited size, I guess, this year. But still, I think he's very clearly ready to make that jump. I struggle a little bit to see where he will translate because I think he has great value as a special teams player down the road and just being realistic understanding how tough it is to make it in the nfl it's it's a little tougher for me to see him carving out a path right away than maybe an andre cisco 
But this is a talented guy who had an awesome career at Syracuse. He kind of reminds me a little bit of Jabril Peppers in a sense. Yeah, I was going to say that too. He's just a a Swiss army knife. He can do a lot of things. I'm not saying he could play like Jabril occasionally gets spotted in at linebacker or even like an Isaiah Simmons who can play all over the field now with the Arizona Cardinals and formerly of Clemson. But he's a guy who defensive back-wise, he can play corner. He can play safety for you. I think... Really good point by you, too, that you brought up. He can play special teams. And I'm not talking about as a coverage man, which, of course, he can do. But he could do it in the return game, all right? He's an asset There are so many teams that would love to have a Trill Williams on their squad because of all the things you can do. You know me personally. I don't love the idea of throwing a a running back or a wide receiver back there to return punts. But a guy like Trill Williams, a, a safety or a corner, if you can do that, I mean, think about some of the greatest return men in NFL history, you think about a Deion Sanders, Devin Hester. I know Devin Hester ended up playing wide receiver for a little bit, but he was a, a cornerback originally, and he was a cornerback at Miami. That's how he carved his way into the NFL initially. Deion Sanders, defensive back. The, those are the guys that I think can really break games for you, the guys who can do it defensively and in special teams. So because of that, there is a spot for Trill Williams in the NFL. And I don't know what the exact projections have him at right now. I'm, I think it's I'm trying late. to do a little fishing, yeah. but it's I would imagine it's what, like a fourth or a fifth round grade right now. But again, he's going to be ready for this combine. And that could be one of those things where he is going to do every single drill and he's just going to explode through the charts. And I think that he could, he's going to be an asset in the NFL. Like Andre Cisco, I think obviously has the higher ceiling, but Trill Williams, I think could have the longer career. He could have a very long career in the NFL. I don't think I'm as in on him as an NFL prospect as you, but that shouldn't take away anything from what I think of Trill Williams as a player. The only thing with him that I struggle with from an NFL perspective is he doesn't really have, he's kind of like a tweener in his size. And I don't know if he's the cornerback, if he has the size to be a cornerback or if he has the size to be like a linebacker or is he just... I don't think he'll not- be a linebacker. I'd imagine he's probably going to slot in at safety when it's all said and done. He'll take his most snaps at safety. Yeah. Um, he's definitely versatile, because, for sure. Because, I mean, he flies. He flies all over the field. Now, he's a physical corner. I think he could body up with some of these really talented NFL receivers. And he's shown he's not afraid. He's definitely shown that at his time at Syracuse. He's gone against a number of great ones, whether it's that Wake Forest game in Sag Surratt. Name a a Clemson receiver. Trill, Trill, didn't he pick off Trevor Lawrence in his his debut? I think so, I I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, he had the interception against Clemson back in 2018. So I, I I look at Trill Williams as a guy who's fearless. The moment's never been too big for him. Again, he's been a, a major player on this team ever since he was a freshman. And... NFL scouts love that stuff. They love the gamers. They love the ballers like that. And that's why I think that you take this kid, put him on a team with a good culture, especially too, and he's going to thrive. He's going to be an absolute asset in the NFL. He's honestly one of the bigger playmakers I've ever seen as a defender, at least to come through Syracuse. But can't you see this with him too? He's going to go to the NFL He'll get picked in like rounds three through five, probably, maybe even later. Who knows? Yeah, I think it'll be a little later. And then you end up hearing about him and you think to yourself, how was this guy a sixth round pick? How was this guy a fifth round pick? How did all 32 teams pass on him two or three, four or five times? I hope so. Right. That's, that's what I see out of out of a guy like Trill Williams. What about Iffy? 
Do you think he's going to be on the move this year? Uh, I think I, he might. I think he's played. I think he will. I think, yeah. you know what? I think you're right. I think he will. He has played really well this year. I know all the PFF metrics align. And For sure. At the end of the day, stats are great, but sometimes the best evaluator of talent, the two sharpest tools in your box are, the, are your left and right eye. So when I and look he's at past it, that. He, he, yeah, and he's definitely past that. He has the intangibles, the thing you can't teach, and that's his length and size and physicality. So I, I definitely think that. And you were starting to see this now with the defensive backs. I mean, who would have thought that at the beginning, or let's say at the end of the Scott Schaefer era, if you told me in the next four years you're going to have multiple defensive backs, not just to go to the NFL, but, get but forego their senior seasons yeah, to go to the NFL. We got three. I mean, that's it's almost like how are we so bad on defense, but obviously we know that's not the issue, and then it goes back to the fact that those guys have been banged up. I guess if he hasn't necessarily, to our knowledge, but... Yeah, I, I'm curious to see what, what goes on with Iffy because I kind of feel like he's going to have some don't forget about me. I mean, I, don't, I know nothing about what he's thinking, but you could see how maybe with Trill going and Cisco going, he's probably going to be like, huh, like maybe it's my turn too because I think he's he's just as good as the two of them at a college level. And NFL-wise, he probably has a better body for the NFL than Trill. Obviously, his brother played, and I don't know where, where he's at right now, but he's bounced around in the NFL. And, you know, I, I think he really does have an NFL type of skill set and body. Right, and he very well could be next. And I don't know if he's going to... He'll probably play the whole season, though, I'd imagine, right? With I hope with, so, uh, yeah. With Iffy. I, like, Trill, he could have left early. He was battling the injuries and stuff like that, and... You can say all you want. Oh, these kids these days, they don't care about the playing in the college game. Well, who cares? Like, just, they're kids. If if you're a software engineer and, and you're in your junior year of college and someone from Google comes to you and says, hey, here's a job. We don't care if you get your degree or not. Here's a job. Come work yeah. for Google. Come work for Apple, Amazon, any of those fang companies. You're dropping out of college and going. Unless you really, really want the college experience, but... When, when you're playing with fire here in, in the NFL where tomorrow is never promised in the, the world of football, you take it and go. Yeah. And I, I'm so happy for Trill. I'm so happy for Andre. And I'm sure I'll be saying the same about Iffy down the road. So th this is such a cool thing for these guys. And I, I'm really looking forward to watching their NFL careers in particular because they're kind of the guys that you saw at Syracuse lately because – there haven't been a lot of Syracuse draft picks lately. No. <laughs> and it's been, when there have been, it's been punters. So yeah. when you hear and see these guys get drafted, it's like, all right, those are guys that I could see every single day. Like now you're starting to get into the mold of the Chandler Joneses, of guys that you could see out there for every single snap and actually making a huge impact in the game on the defensive side or the offensive side of the ball. I hope so, man. I hope it's a trend that continues. It seems like it, it will only continue from here. But best of luck to Trill. Kind of disappointing news that we won't have him around in Orange, but obviously wish him the best going forward. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, A.J. Black from Locked On BC gives us the lowdown on the Eagles. Before we get to that, I want to tell you guys about my favorite beer out there, Coors Light. Been drinking it for a while. It goes perfectly with those football games on Saturdays and Sundays. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill 
Everything is go, go, go these days. There's been a lot going on, and sometimes you just need to kick back, relax, sit down on the couch, watch some sports, and crack open a cold Coors Light. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. Mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. I choose Coors Light when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in a new look delivered straight to your door at get.coorslight.com. Again, that's get.coorslight.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. All right, we welcome on the new host of Locked On Boston College. A.J. Black is here with us to get to know all things B.C. and what's going on with their team. B.C. right now 4-3 and three on the season. First year head coach Jeff Halfley bringing in a new era. A.J., I guess what have been your takeaways in, in the first seven games so far? So I think it's been a big change for Boston College. We've seen Boston College for the last seven years under Steve Adazio was that, you know, big physical ground and pound offense. And you had, you know, you were, they were known for their running backs. You had Andre Williams, AJ Dillon, David Bailey. I mean, you guys saw it last year when they ran for like 350 yards. Yes. Unfortunately. Yeah. Right. (laughs) That offense is gone. And what, what the impressive thing with Halfley is what he's done is Halfley and his offensive coordinator, Frank Signetti, they went out, immediately basically when he got the job and got a quarterback they got phil Dracovic, a four-star transfer from notre dame um brought him in they've started to work in this new pro style offense which is much more pass heavy which as a boston college observer is very different to watch them i think Dracovic against uh virginia tech threw the ball for 50 50 times uh so it's very different so they've had this whole new like turnaround in terms of their offense um, they're, they're one of the top passers in the ACC and then Halfley, his bread and butter is the, pa- uh, the defense and especially the secondary, you know, he came from Ohio state last year. He was on one of those playoff teams. He took Ohio state from a middling big 10 defense and made them one of the best in the country in just one year. Um, and he's starting to do similar things at Boston college. Now BC doesn't have the horses that Ohio state, they don't have, you know, uh, Damon Arnett, they don't have Chase Young, but they have right. some kids to make his defense work for now. Um, and the defense has played much better. And, and what you've seen out of Halfley is a guy that can coach. He's a very good situational coach. Um, he's recruiting well. And the game, the, the, the play itself has been much improved from BC. Yeah, it is kind of fascinating how it's been such a stark contrast in identity. And I think this is going to be sort of eye-opening for Syracuse fans in terms of what they usually get from Boston College, which is that solid offensive line, good defense. But what would you say does Jerkovic do so well? And how has he kind of fit in in these first seven games? Yeah, you know, Jerkovic, he gets a lot of uh, comparisons. And the one I hear a lot is Ben Roethlisberger. He's six five. He's like two hundred fifty pounds, um, and he can he can weasel out of any. You know, he just shrugs off defenders when they come and try to tackle him. Um, so he's a physical guy that can kind of move the pocket around and uses physicality to kind of get himself out of the pass rush, which is good. But on top of that, what really has impressed me is his ability to 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 do that and get accurate passes off. So he's been able to hit some more long term like. 
passes down the field, you know, hitting his wide receivers for longer gains. Um, I, I've been more impressed with that um, in, in term, So it's his physicality and the way he's passing. I think those are the two big things that has shown up for Dracovic. Is he the best BC quarterback since Matt Ryan? Because I'm trying to think back of like who you guys have had at quarterback, and this feels like it's a completely different type of playmaker there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they had Tyler Murphy in 2014, who was a transfer from Florida, but he could, I mean, he, I think he holds the ACC uh, lead for rushing yards for a quarterback, but he could, I mean, you, he, you couldn't hit throw right. like broadside of a barn if you tried. Uh, so he was a one dimensional quarterback. Dracovic is definitely, he's easily the best quarterback. Chase Reddick was good, but he had no one around him. Um, and Dracovic, I think, is up to another level. So I would say he's probably the best since Matt Ryan. All right, so let's shift to the defense now. And I think normally that's BC's bread and butter. Maybe you guys have had a little bit of problems at times just kind of looking at the Clemson game where it's high scoring. Obviously, that is Clemson. But what would you say are the strengths and weaknesses on the defensive side of the ball? Yeah, you know, um, I think this, obviously with Halfley, he, he put a big emphasis on that secondary. And they are playing at a much higher level than they were last year. They're playing much more physical. They're uh, – that you see, you're going to see them in much more tighter man coverage. And he lets them kind of just take guys one-on-one and, and be physical. He caught, you know, he talks about them being violent. That's all the word he uses all the time. They're going to play violently. Um, and so the secondary has played well and turn, and then they've been getting a lot of um, tur- turnovers, you know, turnovers have been a big thing. Weaknesses. I think speed is a big weakness with this team. Um, you saw it last week when Travis, I mean, Travis Etienne is a transcendent player. He's sure. a guy that not many people can cover, but you've seen it in different games as well. They struggle with fast players. Um, you know, Khalil Herbert of Virginia Tech ate him up, Michael Carter, UNC. So these quicker guys, if they can get speed on them, that can caught in, and especially in space, they can really struggle with that. Are they more vulnerable to the passing attack or the rushing attack, like from the opposition perspective? Oh, it's interesting to think about because I, up until last week, I would have definitely said rushing attack, but they stopped ETN and kept him down to like four yards of carry. Now he scorched them in the passing game, but they were able to pretty much keep him in check. They only had, he only had that big one 11 yard touchdown run that put them over the top. And, um, DJ Ugalale, Ugalale. I, I, it's a nightmare. <laughs> I've probably said his name 15 different times. I apologize. I, I should really learn how to say it. He had that 30 yard rush too, but that was on BC totally selling out to try to stop ETN on fourth and one. Um, and so I, I would have said rushing, but you know, I would say probably the passing attack that mid, the mid to intermediate stuff, they can get beat, especially if you attack the, the linebackers. So Tyler and I always end our preview pods. Each segment, we frame one segment on the opposition, and then we end it on what's a key to the game for them. I guess from your side of things and following BC closely all season long, what would be one key that BC has to do when you look at this matchup against Syracuse? They've got to cut out the stupid penalties. I, it, that floors me with the, the way this team is put together. Uh, BC under Steve Adazio was disciplined. They made, they were sixth in the country last year in penalties, uh, called They're 88th right now. And that's without the PAC 12 playing and some of those other schools playing. So they're way down there and they had 11 against Clemson. If you watch that Clemson game, there was one point where BC's defense 
uh, stop. They were, you know, they stopped. Um, no, they were all, they were punting it. They punted it twice to the one yard line mm-hmm. and both times got called back for holding. And then the next punt, they kicked it off and it was like right to the 2025. So those little mistakes can kill a team. And, and, you know, I know Syracuse is struggling, but you don't want to see those mistakes. And I think BC has been making quite a few of them and that's something they need to clean up. Well, that's something that uh, BC and Syracuse have in common (laughs) is, is the penalty bug that has really bit Syracuse this year. But AJ, we appreciate you stopping by. You can check him out on his brand new podcast, Locked On Boston College. Thanks for taking some time with us. Thanks for having me on. Okay, when we come back, our guy Anthony DeBundo from the Daily Orange gives you the key stats to look out for in his weekly segment, DeBundo's Digits. And then Tyler and I dive into the prop shop and make our picks for the game. The numbers you need to know. Anthony DeBundo breaks down the biggest stats for this week's Syracuse matchup. DeBundo's digits. On the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Boston College came to the Carrier Dome in November 2019 and steamrolled its way to a blowout victory, which resulted in the firing of SU defensive coordinator Brian Ward after the game. The Eagles ran for 496 yards in the victory and scored 44 first-half points. Boston College posted 34 in the second quarter alone, and the Orange's offense was just not able to keep up. Running backs A.J. Dillon, who's now in the NFL, and David Bailey totaled 51 carries and 418 yards on the ground as the Eagles only had to attempt 10 passes to win. But when we look at the advanced metrics for BC this year, the Eagles rank 7th in the ACC in predicted points added on offense and 9th in the ACC on defense. Their rushing attack has not been nearly as effective in the 2020 season so far, ranking 5th worst in rushing success rate and 3rd worst in rushing explosiveness. The Orange are below BC in both of these categories, though. The Eagles have been much more effective through the air, as they rank 3rd best in passing success rate. They're not an offense that typically relies on the big play, but quarterback Phil Yurkovich has shined for BC on offense, tossing 14 touchdowns in the opening seven games of the season. And Syracuse's 2020 offense has shown an inability to sustain long scoring drives without the benefit of turnovers and short fields. With Culpepper at quarterback, they've struggled even more. When the Orange aren't making big plays, it's very hard to see how they'll move the ball and score. That's where the turnovers come in. SU's defense has buoyed the offense all season, and that will need to continue with probably two or three turnovers if the Orange want to pull off the upset as 14-point underdogs, which is about the same number Wake Forest was last week in the carry dome. And defensively, Boston College ranks second in defensive line yards in the conference, meaning their defensive line is difficult to run against. The Orange may struggle to establish the run in this one and will need to turn to Culpepper and the passing game to generate offense. Syracuse has failed to generate push on the offensive line all season, registering more than three line yards in a game just once all year against Liberty. They've been under that number in every other game. And they are fourth in stuff rate, that's Boston College, so breakout running back Cooper Lutz will have a difficult time finding room to run on Sunday. When we get to finishing drives, the Eagles offense is slightly above average, averaging 3.9 points per scoring opportunity. They're not quite as good as Wake Forest, but the SU defense will need to hold them out of the end zone and hold them to three points or generate turnovers, which they struggled to do against Wake Forest. But over the course of the season, Syracuse does rank third best at keeping opponents out of the end zone. 
That will be a major key if Syracuse wants to win as 14-point dogs, but it's difficult to see how Syracuse will generate offense against this stingy Boston College front. All right, thanks to Anthony DeBundo, as always. Busy man this week. He was uh, crunching some election All day over numbers. the election. Yes. Yeah. And I kept all- feeling bad because he said, like, oh, yeah, I got you. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get it to you early. He said, I'm going to get it to you on Tuesday. I was like, okay, cool. Whatever works for you, man. And then it just kept pushing back. And I kept, kept feeling bad because I kept having to text him, like, yo, can you still get this to me? Like, if you want to take the, the week off, that's cool. Or if you want to send us some numbers, <laughs> Tim and I can do. He's like, no, I got you. I got you. And then, of course, he always delivers on his word and gets yeah, it to some, us. So we thank Anthony. Some interesting numbers for sure. I, I think really the part that he stood out the most was at the end there when he talked about the defensive line and how stout it is for BC. That scares right. me. We don't know if it's Sean Especially Tucker Especially when we week. don't know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. And... <laughs> The, the, I mean, how many times have we said that going into a game this year where we're like, oh, we don't know if Taj Harris will be out. We won't know if, like, player X, just insert player X, player Y. It's like three or four guys each game where we're playing that game, which has been the state of the season, unfortunately. But you can find DeBundo on Twitter. Just search Anthony DeBundo, and you can also read his work at the Daily Orange. He's been really great this year covering Syracuse football over there so let's get into our prop shop we'll wrap up with our pick as always make our prediction on the spread and what the score will be and kind of dissect how we see this matchup going on but first we give you our fun fake prop bets of the week we start with the thing that everyone will be wondering about will Jacoby and Morgan start this game so Dino has kind of like not been non-committal in the press conference to be expected, I would say, and has sort of dumbed down what Jacoby and Morgan did in the late stages of the Wake Forest game. I'd like to see it happen, but I have to be real- realistic on the odds here. I put yes at plus 220, so that's the underdog. If you bet $100 on it and Jacoby and Morgan did start, you'd make $210. And then no is minus 240, so that is Rex Culpepper starting. Where do you lean here on what Dino's going to do? I'm with you. The realistic approach, listen, the, the orange-tinted glasses approach is Jacobian starts this game. I just don't see it happening. I don't. Yeah. And I see Rex going out there. Now, I do, and I know I see this on the list. We'll get to how many drives Jacobian will fa- will have in this upcoming game. But right now, I, I, I just don't see him starting the game. But I do think he plays in this game. And if he doesn't, oh. either Rex is coming <laughs> out guns a-blazing or... It's just absolute coaching malpractice. Yes, we will be uh, given some loud takes on Monday. If, if I don't see Jacoby and Morgan at some point, and like you said, it's not because Rex has been, unless Rex just has some unreal game, which I'm not expecting, then I will be very, very disappointed. I'm, I'm going to say no, Rex is going to start as well at minus 240. All right, Jacoby and Morgan drives. This might happen over under two and a half, I said. So... If he's out there for three drives, you win, you hit the over if you want to go over, and then if he's out there for just two drives, it's the under. All right, I'm going to inject myself with with the orange juice into my veins here. I I, I want Jacoby and Morgan, and I'm going to play this one with my heart, over two and a half. <laughs> I'm going to do somewhere the same in my thing. Head, <laughs> Somewhere in my head, it's telling me to go under, but my heart is telling me to go over two and a half here. And Jacoby and Morgan, again, like I said, if he doesn't get in this game and it's and Rex is pissing down his leg again in this game, like it's it's gonna be absolute anarchy among this fan base. Because when I look at Jacoby and Morgan, 
just the intangibles, the moxie, the the poise he had out there. He looks there. like a quarterback. Sure, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's all you could really ask right now for Syracuse. And it sounds like a joke, but you just haven't seen it this year. And even to a degree with Tommy DeVito, you didn't see a guy that just looked like a quarterback back there. You saw a deer in the headlights, and you see a bunny in the headlights right now with Rex Culpepper. So what I just want to see a guy who looks confident back there. And right now, the only man with a sliver of confidence in that quarterback room is Jacoby and Morgan. So I do think it, or I'm hoping it's over two and a half. And that's why my heart is there. But somewhere in my head is telling me Dino Babers isn't going to let it happen. Yeah, now, I it should have been maybe some, maybe yeah. something last week clicked and maybe something last week changed. And I hope that I'm right in my heart with that. But Jacoby and Morgan, the, the things that he showed me in that one or that that one drive really seven to seven i mean you can't you couldn't have done much better <laughs> he couldn't he, have done he better. can claim yeah. he can claim second string defense all he wants jacoby and morgan was a third fourth fifth string quarterback coming into the year okay so he did elevate his level of play from what the standard was for him coming into this season yeah I'm going to go over as well. It's kind of leaning with my heart. Same type of reason. I mean, he should have been over two and a half last week in the game. He should have, yeah. So hopefully Dino learns his lesson. I'll be interested to see if he comes in at all in the first half and how quick the leash is on Rex. Yeah. If Rex does start, I mean, maybe we will see Morgan, but right out of the gate, I, that would be the ideal situation for me. And again, he might be deer in the headlights once he gets out there. But let's let's give him a shot because we know what we're getting with Rex and we don't really know what we're getting with Morgan at this point. And he's shown some potential for sure. All right. On a different note, total turnovers from both teams, both teams, BC and Syracuse, good at forcing turnovers. So I'm setting the over under at three and a half. I'm going to go with over here because you're looking at a BC team that throws the ball a lot. And we know Syracuse can intercept the ball at a very high frequency. They can force a lot of fumbles too, but this is a Boston College team, all right? Remember the identity of this team last year? It was run, 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 run. Run, 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 run. Last season, only 33%. A third of their passing of their plays were passing plays. This year, it's a 20% jump with Jeff Halfley as the new head coach of this team. So they're entrusting their quarterback, Phil Dracovich, a lot more to throw the ball, and guess what? Frankly, it's working. I mean, I I think that Syracuse's defense may pose some problems. Um, And then on the other side of things, I just think Rex Culpepper is a very turnover-prone quarterback. And even though the volume may not look as bad as it is, I mean, he's gotten pretty lucky at times too. So uh, with that, I'm going to go with the over three and a half turnovers. I'm going over two, and it just dawned on me, and maybe I did this subconsciously because I had such a bad week, but I forgot to sort of reset where we are at. You're you're in the lead pretty handedly now. You're 27 yeah. to 23 on the season, so I got to give you your due because you've made a ferocious comeback. You're up 585 in our fake money. I'm up 130 in our fake money, and 25 and 25 overall through these. Uh, what are we now? Week eight of the season. I can't even keep track. So. That's where we stand on the prop shop. Let's get to our last one before we get to the picks and the spread. We normally do uh, Syracuse first touchdown in the prop shop. First off, I want to say I, I took out the the Sidibe special of ours, which is going back the to the sacks. basketball They've been days. good the lately. Yeah. It's starting to become too free. 
Right. And that's honestly, a good thing, too. It was kind of like Sidibe last year at the end of the year where he started falling less. We always set it at four and a half because we're like, all right. Essentially, we were saying, is he going to fall out or not? Yeah, it's so sad. And then he toned it down <laughs> at the end of the year. It's like they're, they're listening and, and they hear it or the coaches are listening and making adjustments to the game plan because of how we're we're talking about it. That, yeah. It was dire times right. for a lot and, of these. And hopefully it stays true, but only four sacks allowed in the past two weeks against Clemson and Wake Forest, two decent pass rushes for sure. So that's looking better in that department and probably a reflection a little bit on Rex Culpepper has been less prone to getting sacked back there than DeVito was. But anyway, the first touchdown is not on the board this week. Instead, we're just doing will player X score a touchdown and you can make a pick on any of these. We can even make a pick on multiple of these if you want to. So I'll run go, down the board. Here. How about we just go down the board? Let's go down the board, rapid fire. We don't know explanation why, okay. just boom, just, yes or no. Just gut right? reaction. Gut Taj reaction, minus, go. Taj Harris, will he score a touchdown? Minus 185, he will. Anytime touchdown here, I'm saying yes. Okay, I'm going yes too. Sean Tucker, injured, so I put it at minus 110. Tough one to call. Where do you lean? Uh, are we saying that if he doesn't play, it's off the board? Sure. Okay. Then give me a yes. Yes for me too, under that stipulation. Cooper Lutz will... See, this is where it gets tough. He's plus 150. We'll just have to assume that that number holds regardless of if Sean Tucker plays or not. I agree. I think even if uh, even if Sean Tucker doesn't play, then, then he's still going to get a decent workload, but I'm still going to say no on Cooper Lutz. No. Okay. Nikeem, plus 175 to score a touchdown. No. I'm going to go yes. He's got three this year. I, I think if any other receiver gets... He is starting to get some volume. I'll, I'll, yeah. I'll give you that. Queely, plus 225. Yes. Okay. I don't know why. I kind of feel this one. I feel this one this week that Anthony Queely, especially if we see Jacoby and Morgan in there, I think they've had some reps together. And yeah. they seemed like they were kind of on the same page when when he came in. Okay, I'll spoil it. I'm going no the rest of the way because I've already okay. given out three Syracuse touchdowns, and you that's have. too much. But, so. but again, even if you say yes, I don't think that necessarily means you're you're thinking that they will score that many touchdowns. You're throwing that's a kind flyer. of what I'm going off. Yeah, yeah, you're throwing some flyers out there. It's like okay, what, what would you play at the window? Okay, because you know what, I'm you, Luke. Ben, listen, I don't know if Syracuse is going to score three touchdowns in this game, but I'll I'll pick four guys and. Yeah. Luke Benson, I think, is another candidate again. Yeah, I'm going to take Luke Benson, actually, because he always, yeah, I've always me. been on that. So plus 250, I'll take him. Any interest in Hackett plus 250, Culpepper or Morgan rushing at 275 and 350, respectfully, and then Marquenzi Pierre plus 350? You know what? I'll take a flyer. None of those guys who you mentioned, but I'll take a flyer on Courtney Jackson as really? well. I'll go plus 400 on Courtney Jackson. I'm going to take one more flyer, and this is a big one. Ed Hendricks. I know what you're taking here. Yep, plus mm-hmm. 500. That's what I was going to guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Big body. Let's see Ed. I'm I'm due for some, some Ed positivity, Ed Hendricks hype in my life right now, the way the season is going. All right, let's get into the pick. BC is a minus 14 point favorite on the road. Seems kind of right. I'm pretty torn on which side to go on this one, but I think I'm going to lean... BC to cover final score 37 20 for me um I'm on the fence I think this is very close I think the the number is pretty good here 
but I'm going to go with BC as well here. I, for a score, if you have to ask me, I'm going to say this game goes over the total. So let's go, especially with no trill, that's kind of that's kind of rough. So let's go BC 41 because I feel like they just run it up in the dome. Yeah. But BC 41, Syracuse, we'll go 23. All right. Actually, that's so 20 that's field goals, well 24, over. 24. Okay. The over-under is 52 and a half. I, if I was a betting man, I'd, I'd go bet on that before the spread and take the over. I would too, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. because as you said, BC runs it up. They did it last year. You know, I was thinking before we get out of here, the two years ago BC game was kind of like, well, the Camping World Bowl was probably the pinnacle of the Dino era, but that was right before it when they finished the season. I think it was 15th in the country. Since yeah. then, I saw a stat, and I know this is just kind of twisting the knife to the fans here, but 3-15 and 15 against Power Conference opponents since they played that BC oh, game. Oh, boy. Yeah. Wow. Hmm. It, it took That's, me for a surprise. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I remember I was at that BC game and the one you're talking about, and Eric Dungey was phenomenal in yeah. that game. That was great Dungey one, game. Like, if I'm thinking of my favorite Dungey games, that one's on the Mount Rushmore of it. I'm throwing the NC State game is by far and away my number. Really, one. all of the second half of that year. Yeah, it was so mm-hmm. good. Um, I'm trying to think again off the top of my head. Obviously, you you can't leave out the Clemson upset because that one was so pivotal. Yeah, in West Virginia, career. that had the most dungy play ever. That little uh, evade the pressure, throw it to Mo Neal in the Camping World Bowl yes, play. Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. so I think those are the four of a Mount Rushmoreing it. Listen, he had plenty of phenomenal moments as freshman and sophomore seasons, but junior and senior, it, it, for a, guy, a four-year starter and a guy whose name should be in the rafters when whenever SU decides to put him in that ring of honor or whatever – those are those are the plays. It's you're always going to get junior and senior year games. Yeah. All right. Well, now we made everyone miss Eric Dungey in, in the glory yeah. days of that one year. So anyway, we'll get out of here with that. Thanks for listening, everyone. I know this was kind of a long one, but we appreciate you listening. You can find us every single weekday wherever you get your podcast. Just search Locked On Syracuse, and we'll talk to you guys on Monday after hopefully they make it respectable against BC and play Jacobian. <laughs>